Hey, it's Ken Drill. Hey, what's up? It's Jimmy. We're coming at you from Band the Podcast. The podcast for you. The podcast for your dreams. And, you know, the podcast for everything in between. All right, so tell me tell me the next place you want to visit, man. Uh, Honestly, bro, I really want to go get back to my roots. I want to go to Africa. Africa? Yeah. Okay, how, how soon? Uh, My goal in the next two years. Within the next two years? That's, that's yeah. very possible. So we're we're sitting here with a gentleman who we know for sure is doing places. Oh uh, yeah, straight out Mr. of Little Rock. Mr. Chris James himself. Chris is a national award-winning poet, uh, writer. He is a photographer. Right now he's on his own tour, the Starve No More tour. Chris, say what's up. What's up, people? Uh, thank y'all for having me on Kendrell and Jimmy. <laughs> no problem, man. Hey, so tell us about the tour, bro. Um, man. Uh, so the Star No More tour, I, I launched it about two or three months ago, um, and it's all about, you know, no longer, you know, um, striving or, or struggling or just getting by, uh, but it's about, you know, getting everything that you want out of life, you know, no longer starving, but, but just but thriving in your success, and, um, and no longer accepting no from, from, from people, from opportunities, and, but most importantly, no longer accepting no from yourself. Um, so yeah, so the Star No More tour is literally about me getting on the road and going to places all across the U.S. Um, and sharing my art, uh, sharing my poetry, sharing my message, um, gaining new fans, um, and, and ultimately expanding my brand, the Chris James journey. Yeah, perfect. That, that lines perfectly with this, with this podcast. It's about pursuing your dreams, uh, and to your starving no more. So tell us about how the tour has been thus far. Man, uh, the tour has been amazing. Um, you know, it's it's been you know um, I, I'm 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 real I'm a real firm believer that everything happens the way it's supposed to, um, and that the that the universe aligns the stars the way they should be aligned. Um, you know, so I um, this past week uh, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I performed at um, the Southern Festival of Books, which was super amazing. Hmm. Uh, then later on that night, I performed at a at an artist showcase where I performed spoken word poetry and music. But the week before, uh, I spent the, an entire week in New Orleans. Um, I ended up going down there and being able to stay um, with um, a young lady by the name of Carolyn Summers. Um, she put me up for an entire week, so I got to stay for free, which, you know, that was, you know, that was supposed to happen, you know, thing. Yeah. so it lined out for me. Uh, the house was like amazing, you know, half a million dollar house. Mm. Um, you know, it was it was amazing. You, you know, want to uh, come back, did you? Did, I didn't want to come back. <laughs> uh, you know, but also, you know, she was just a very um, um, rich woman when it, when it came to, to wisdom and what she had to offer to the world and what she had to offer to my artistry. You know, so that was like, that was like great. You know, um, but also, you know, I, I went down there to perform, uh, to do some poetry. Uh, at a few venues, but also to do a book signing at the Community Book Center, which is the oldest African American bookstore in New Orleans, Louisiana. Wow. Okay. Uh, but I was doing a radio interview um, the more um, I think it was like a Wednesday morning uh, for the book signing that was supposed to happen on Saturday. So let me tell you how the universe worked, how God worked, how all yeah. that. Um, so I left the, the radio interview. And I saw a basketball court because I like to hoop every now and then. You know? okay. I'm like, well, I'm going to do all this. I see a court. Let me go shoot around. <laughs> uh, so I pull up. And I got on my jeans and my, my poetry and chill t-shirt. And um, 
So I, I get out and I grab, grab a ball and I just start shooting. And I introduce myself to the gentleman that's already on the court. I'm like, what's up, man? My name is Chris James. And he's like, my name is Alan. So we keep on shooting for a few minutes. And then, uh, and then you know, a little, a little while longer, I ask him, like, man, is your last name Ferguson? He like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Dude, I was just like watching like videos that you directed from Jay-Z and P. Diddy and, uh, and yeah. Beyonce uh, and Jadetta and your wife, Solange. Solange. You know, so uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. You know, uh, so, you know, so I, I, I toned down the groupie in me. <laughs> and, uh, let me compose myself. Yeah, let me compose myself. I'm Chris James, you know. Um, so, so we kept shooting for a little while. And, um, you know, so we, we kept on shooting. And we talked, like, we had a really good conversation for about an hour, man. Um, you know, but, you know, but I learned some, something from that, um, you know, that even though he, he's a millionaire and, and he's done all these great things, you know um, that he's just as human as I am. You know, right. and when and when and when put in those type of positions with people of that of that type of stature, you know, just communicate with them like humans yeah. and not like groupies or like they're <laughs> anything opposite of what you are or whatever. Made from the same dirt you were. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so so you know, like so towards the end, you know, of our you know communication at that basketball court, you know, I asked him if I could spit a poem for him. You know, so I, so I spit a poem for him, and most of my poetry starts out with singing. So I, I spit that piece, and he was he was blown away. He was like, oh man, that was dope. Now you know you gotta give us a quick quick piece of that. Yeah, one. yeah, you gotta give us the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I'll definitely do that. I'll definitely do that here in a second. Uh, so I spit the piece, and as I was leaving, uh, I also gave him my book, uh, my book which is called The Odds Against Us: Urban Statistics. Um, so I gave him that book, and I also gave him my poetry CD uh, called Overcome Overcoming the Odds. I gave him that, and as I was leaving, he was like, "Hey man," he stopped me. I said, "What's up?" And uh, he was like, uh, hey, man, take my email. I, I would love to stay, you know, uh, updated on what you got going in your career. Wow. You know, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. Big you dreams, know. baby. You know, so I gave, I, I took his email. I got back to, to my where I was staying, and I emailed him, like, hey, man, thank you for sharing so much information. Thank you for being human. Um, you know, and, and I just gave him a good email and sent him out and attached all my all my my best links to videos and, and my speaking engagements, my, like my TED Talks and things like that. Uh, he emailed me back, you know, Man, thank you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, uh, I'm about to get in the shower. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to get in the shower, get ready for my next event. And he literally, uh, he calls me. So I answer the phone. I'm like, it's Chris James. He's like, hey, man, it's Alan Ferguson. I'm like, hey. I had to tone that a groupie again. Because it almost released. And, uh, but, he, but, uh, but he ended up asking me, long story short, he, he ended up asking me, um, telling me that the host for his watch for Solange's listening party that was happening that night, uh, which you know she has the number one album in the world right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, he asked me to come and host the listening party. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna take my guess I can do. It. I'm gonna take my calendar, you know. But anyway, so I ended up being able to go go to that uh, and really meet some good people and some good networking. Uh, but you know, but I just say all that to say, man, that the universe like works in very mysterious ways. But that was opportunity that that was like. Right there, and all that was supposed to happen. I was supposed to stop by that basketball court. I was supposed to, you know, engage in conversation with him. I was supposed to, you know, be at that event and be around such great people uh, because I belong there. You know, I belong. I, I deserve that seat at the table. You, know? you see that belief? You had to see that within yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see that exactly. belief. Yeah, exactly. It's sitting firm. Uh, this is this is a podcast, so people can't. Of course, you can't. You, um, but you can only visualize. This man is speaking now, and he's speaking firm. He's speaking as if. 
he knew that's exactly what was supposed to happen. He didn't know that he was going to meet this individual and this podcast is sitting around going places. But he was prepared for that moment. Because when that moment comes, like, you got to be ready for it. Man, I always tell folks, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Yeah. That's it. Man, <laughs> that's for it. For real, though, you know. Because, you know, we always praying for these blessings and, and praying for, you know, everything that we want out of life. And oftentimes when they come, we ain't ready to, we ain't ready to jump or, or to actually grab on to that opportunity and hold on to it. Yeah. So what? Uh, with that being said, what what fuels you, uh, Chris? Uh, man, people people ask me that often, uh, and it's all it's the same answer. And I'm proud of that. My answer is very consistent. Um, I got five kids. Uh, I was raised by single moms, um, but you know, but that that you know, I, I was a six. I had a kid when I was 16 years old. You know, I, I sold my first crack rap when I was 12. Um, so going through, and I grew up very poor. So go, so going through all those things that I went through, all that's motivation, you know, because I don't want to go back to that. But my, the biggest thing that fuels me, that drives me, is my brothers. Um, when I was 16, that same year I had a kid, I lost both of my brothers. They both went to prison for 25 and 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always tell folks, you know, I'm grinding hard every day, not for my kids, not for my moms, not even necessarily for myself, but for my brothers. Because when they get home in 25 and 40 years, they're going to be, you know, uh, 60, 70 years old. They'll be old. You know, so I can't expect them to go out here and go to college and and to do all the things to start from scratch, you know, like I did in my journey. Uh, So I'm working hard for them. So when they get home, all they got to do is jump on board so we can keep this thing going. Enjoy. That's it. But what... So, so you started, you took us all the way back, and we know you're here now in your 20s doing all this big stuff. What was that, like, I guess, destiny-shifting kind of moment or that choice that you had to make to get to that point? Uh, man, uh, it, it was really losing my brothers, you know. Uh, like, losing my brothers was, uh, losing my brothers was, was really, like, the turning point of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, outside of me having, having a kid that year when I was 16, uh, and in eleventh grade, uh, outside of you know having a kid, but when my brothers left, you know that's when I knew like this street life and all this stuff that that we were doing wasn't for me, you know. And I was always uncomfortable doing the things that we were doing growing up, you know, from from stealing cars to breaking in, you know, just all the, the negative stuff that I was that my environment kind of put me in. Um, I was always uncomfortable with those <laughs> things. But when my but when I saw that my brothers were now being taken away from from that freedom as a result of those things, I knew that wasn't for me. Uh, but what, what was it? But, you know, so that was, yeah, so that was the turning point for me, man. But how did you get out? Like, obviously, you didn't just fall out of that environment when you made that decision. Like, how were you able to get through, like, still being in the midst of all Yeah, what that? steps did you take? Um, so the, I, the first step for me, uh, so I was 16 when, I, when all that happened. I was 17 when my mother um, signed, uh, signed, uh, signed, the contract for the for the army, which allowed me to join the military when I was seventeen. Uh, so I joined the army reserves when I was seventeen as a split op, meaning I was able to go to basic training after eleventh grade year, come back and finish my senior year, and then go after senior year to finish my my AIT training uh, for my job training in the, in the army. So that was like that that really got me out the hood. Uh, you know, I was, I caught up. They, they flew me on a plane. But I was my first time on a plane, first time really out, of, out in a different state by myself. So that really kind of, that opened my eyes, like, real wide. Yeah, you know, that there was a world outside of my old, my neighborhood in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Expanded your, your thinking. Man, like so much. You know, I got to meet new people. I got to be, you know, like for all that time. 
Um, and then I came home, I went straight to college at UAPB. Uh, you know, and then that opened my mind again, you know, because now I'm living by myself again. You know, I'm living in the, in the dorm room and, and learning to be responsible. Uh, so, yeah, so that right there really kind of, so those were like some, some of the major steps. Um, and then as far as like when it came to this art, you know, what I do now is a living. Uh, my, I was my first year of college. I was invited to a poetry slam. And that's what I, you know, from my class, everybody named Selena Bowie. And uh, so she invited me to that open mic. And there was, I met a gentleman who was a poet and he'd done it for a living. Uh, and, you know, he, he heard me. And within a couple of months, he took me on tour with him. You know, so right, so that right there blew my mind that we were going on tour to do poetry, um, and that he was making really good money doing it. So, so that was like, that was even even more of a turning point. Like, it's, it's possible to make a li to make a living off of something that you love to do, like poetry. You yeah. know, so that was mind blowing. And um, yeah, yeah, I remember because when I first met you, it was like at a poetry thing at ULR. They yeah. like a poetry night, and from there, you know, I found out you was doing this. This is what you do for a living, doing the slam team and stuff. Yeah. Um, Wow, man. Well, there you have it. Uh, another individual out here, once again, going places, pursuing his dreams. Uh, once again, thank you, uh, Chris yeah. James. Now, before you leave, man, we do want you to uh, just spill us a little bit, if you got something for us, a poem for the people. Yeah. Uh, they don't got to be the whole piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you better go off the dome. Uh, exclusive. Bam, exclusive. Man, uh, Damn, I'm give y'all a choice. Y'all want to hear something about it. It's going to be black. Because yeah, this is a black podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a podcast for everybody, but we are black men yeah. right here. We can't ignore it. We, we can roll with that. We can <laughs> roll with that. All that. So, um, man. Um, yeah, here it goes. Times are hard. Times are hard. Times are hard. The rents do. And we ain't got a clue about what we gon' do. Brenda's got a baby and she's still a baby. Tyrone dropped out and now he's pulling capers. Gun in his hand screaming, F you pay me. Police kill black boys and go back to work. Black kids feel the life, they life ain't worth. Jim Crow's alive and that's for sure. Times are hard, times are hard, times are hard. See, times are hard. Because my niggas going from hustling crack to plasma. From plasma to plasma TVs to DVDs to vaginas filled with SCDs. See, she ain't never been told she was a queen. So she often settles for those who are less than kings. She say it's a shortage of good men. And I can't deny it because she ain't lying. There lies truth in every rumor. There's a tumor on the black community and it's cancer to our existence. Eating away at our souls like soul food to our health. Pig feed hog moths and chitlins be a source of our death. But we be cool with them scraps that master left for us. Complacent with the place for the chains to remain on our brains. See, cashiers away on break and we sitting around waiting for change instead of making it for our own selves. See, my niggas be like rats. Run wild with their tails out until they get caught in traps trying to trap. Chasing that cheese, greed with everything they get them. I said chasing that cheese, greed with everything they get them. See, times are hard. 
White cop kills black boy, cop keeps his life and his job, and we expect it to abide by the laws. Jim Crow's in full effect, says the justice system, and justice anywhere, there's justice everywhere. Shut up, Martin, I'm tired of marching. Since I was born black and a boy, I've been a target. Call him Mandela and tell him I'm ready for war. Forget fighting for all. I'm fighting for the future of these black girls and boys who were the scarlet letters black on their pigment. Yeah. Chris right. James. Appreciate the snap. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. In the house of art, Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, you heard it from the man himself, Chris James. Once again, this has been Bam the Podcast. Another Wednesday, another podcast. See y'all next week. <laughs>